Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, three critical vulnerabilities in Asus routers have been publicly disclosed. Microsoft is officially deprecating WordPad. And Microsoft explains how a signing key was accessed and utilized for security breaches by a Chinese cyber gang. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which of course is brought to you by my sponsors. And that includes Netrix Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And the podcast is also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. First, following up on a story I've covered over the last two weeks, the little issue of blue screen of deaths on certain MSI motherboards for Windows 11 users. Well, the issue appears to have been fixed for some and will be fixed for others by the end of the month. MSI has issued BIOS updates for a variety of Intel 700 and 600 series motherboards, and the company will be updating more models this week and in the coming weeks. According to The Verge, MSI and Intel found the root cause of the blue screen of death issue was regarding the firmware setting of Intel hybrid architecture, a setting that was set in preparation for Intel's upcoming 14th generation desktop CPUs, with some BIOS updates having been marked for next-gen CPUs. MSI says the blue screen of death issue will only affect Intel's 13th gen Core i9 processors with the latest Windows 11 and Windows 10 updates, which I was actually surprised by because all of the reports that I've been reading over the last few weeks indicated that it was predominantly affecting those on Windows 11. So it appears that it also affects people on Windows 10. So if you do use MSI motherboards, and you have been experiencing blue screen of death issues with an unsupported underscore processor error message, there may be a BIOS update available to help address this for you now. And if not, there should be one available for you soon. Following up on another story that I recently covered on the podcast, the case of the China-based threat actor Storm0558 and their use of an acquired Microsoft account consumer key to forge tokens to access the Outlook web application and Outlook.com. Well, some very interesting new details have been shared by Microsoft on this. In a new advisory, Microsoft stated that a consumer signing system crash all the way back in April of 2021 resulted in a crash dump with Microsoft saying the crash dump should not have included any sensitive data such as a signing key, but due to a race condition, a signing key was present in the crash dump. The crash dump was then taken from a supposed secure isolated environment into a debugging environment that was not so isolated and had internet access via their corporate network. The Storm 0558 actor was able to successfully compromise a Microsoft engineer's corporate account. And this account had access to that debugging environment containing the crash dump, which incorrectly contained the key. 
And due to log retention policies, Microsoft have said they do not have logs with specific evidence of this exfiltration by the bad actor, but this was the most probable mechanism by which the actor acquired the key. So reactions to this advisory to the story have ranged from, wow, I can't believe that Microsoft are admitting this publicly. This is crazy. Uh, and also then praising Microsoft for being so honest and open about this to those who are like, oh my God, does that mean that someone had uh, this key for over two years? Well, they're not really saying that the crash dump was accessed like immediately back in 2021. The crash occurred in 2021 that generated the crash dump, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the hacker got into that engineer's corporate account way back in 2021. For their part, Microsoft have said that they're making some improvements based on the findings. So they've already identified and resolved the race condition that allowed the signing key to be present in crash dumps. They've enhanced prevention, detection, and response for key material erroneously included in crash dumps. They've enhanced credential scanning to better detect presence of signing keys in the debugging environment. And they've released enhanced libraries to automate key scope validation in authentication libraries and clarified all related documentation. I guess it's of no surprise, but that's how deep the cyber gangs go. They can just scan every file that's accessible, look into the contents and find the goodies. VMware recently published an advisory, VMSA-2023-0019, about a security issue which sees that VMware Tools contains a SAML token signature bypass vulnerability. And VMware has evaluated the severity of the issue and it's getting a 7.5 out of 10. They say that a malicious actor that has been granted guest operation privileges in a target virtual machine may be able to elevate their privileges if the target virtual machine has been assigned a more privileged guest alias. And to remediate the vulnerability that's listed as CVE-2023-20900, you'll want to install the latest patches available from VMware. In a very relatable story, BleepyComputer.com reported about a recent incident that halted operations on 12 of 14 Japan-based Toyota assembly plants due to what was initially reported as an undefined system malfunction, which had people speculating at the time about what the cause could be. Some saying, oh, well, this could be a security issue, like a, a ransomware attack. But it turns out the root cause was one many organizations face. During a planned change to organize data and deletion of fragmented data in some of their databases, the storage for the databases hit capacity before the tasks were completed, which forced a complete system shutdown. Toyota explained that its main servers and backup machines operate on the same system, though, and due to this, both systems face the same failure, making a switchover impossible, inevitably leading to a halt in the factory operations. So in short, the database servers ran out of storage. The backups were running on the same system, so graceful failover is not possible. And the issue was eventually resolved by migrating data to a system with more storage. Just a classic example of what makes working in IT so fun, eh? There is a curious Microsoft 365 outage or degradation that has been going on for several hours at the time of this recording, with users reporting issues accessing SharePoint, Outlook, OneDrive, and more products affected. 
This is a curious case because the service status page has showed everything is healthy, but reports from some users begs to differ, as does reports from the down detector page. Interestingly, the Microsoft 365 status Twitter account has not tweeted since the end of July, so I guess that resource may no longer exist. Um, just speculating, but it could be due to how Twitter has changed, particularly for those business accounts, and potentially they just were like, well, are we going to fork over the money, the thousands that they want for the business account subscriptions? Probably not. Let's just chuck it in and rely on our status page. So I was a bit skeptical of this when I first saw the uh, story from windowscentral.com about the outage. Uh, so I did do some research and looked on the comments on the down detector page, uh, looked through Twitter and social media channels, and also found another article pertaining to the actual outage or degradation as well. So it does appear to be happening, but Microsoft at least in their replies to people, have been stating that there's no incident that they're aware of, which makes it all the more curious. The Record Media has reported on two high-severity vulnerabilities in Netgear products. One of the flaws, tracked as CVE-2023-41183, allows hackers to access Netgear's Orbi 760 routers and exploit them without needing any authentication. The bug has a score of 8.8 .8 out of 10 on the severity scale and the good news is netgear has already released a patch for it another vulnerability tracked as c2023-41182 affects netgear pro safe the flaw allows hackers to control and run their own code on the pro safe system although authentication is required to exploit this vulnerability the existing authentication mechanism can be bypassed, and this one gets a 7.2 out of 10 on the severity scale. And again, this has been patched in the most recent version of ProSafe. So the good news here is that even though these are critical high severity vulnerabilities, there are patches available, and given the nature of what Netgear is in the business of, these devices or appliances that are sitting on the edge exposed to the internet, these are ones you don't wanna sleep on, you wanna get patching immediately. More good news on this though is there have not been any reports of the vulnerabilities being exploited in the wild yet. But again, due to the nature, this could be low hanging fruit for attackers. So patch, patch, patch. A couple of days ago, there were reports that Asus routers contained critical remote code execution vulnerabilities with the highest severity rating of the vulnerabilities getting a 9.8 out of 10. So almost as high as can be. The vulnerabilities are listed as CVE-2023-39238, which is a format string vulnerability affecting the set underscore iperf3 underscore svr.cgi API module where remote code execution is possible due to improperly validated input strings. There's also CVE-2023-39239, which again is a format string vulnerability. This one's relating to general configuration functions of the router that can lead to remote code execution and service interruption. And the final one is CVE-2023-39240. And this is another format string vulnerability this time with the set underscore iperf underscore cli dot cgi api. There's good news and bad news regarding these vulnerabilities. The bad news is that if left unpatched, the security flaws leave owners of these Asus routers open for attack, which duh, of course. 
And as stated with the Netgear stuff, infiltrating your router is a crucial vector for delivering malware uh, to any connected devices and it is kind of low hanging fruit for attackers. The good news is that Asus has already provided patches for these vulnerabilities. So again, don't mess around, patch as quickly as possible. VMware has announced early availability of their VMware ESXi lifecycle management service, which they say provides simple and easy ESXi fleet management of your vSphere environments from VMware Cloud. Lifecycle management service makes the rollout of vSphere upgrades and updates easier across multiple vCenters and customer data centers. They say some of the benefits of using the service is that you can implement standardization across vCenter and data centers, like staying current with the ESXi versions, having full compliance of install images, implementing approved images in all data centers. You can also avoid or reduce potential security breaches by staying on top of security compliance, applying security patches as soon as they are released, and more. For full details on the benefits of using the service, I'll share a link with this episode and you can find that at 5bytespodcast.com with episode 298. Microsoft shared some new updates that were recently announced for the Dev and Canary Insider builds of Windows 11. It includes some changes for the snipping tool, which is introducing combined capture bar, which they say makes it easier to switch between capturing screenshots and screen recordings without having to open the app. So there's going to be some keyboard shortcuts that's print screen or win plus shift plus S to open the capture bar for snipping where you will continue to find the familiar snipping modes. Or if you use win plus shift plus R, that will open the capture bar for the recording features. They say for the recording utility, they're introducing the possibility to optionally record PC audio and voiceovers using a microphone too. And Notepad will also start automatically saving your session state, allowing you to close Notepad without any interrupting dialogues and then pick up where you left off when you return. That'll actually be a pretty big feature for me because I'm over-dependent on Notepad just to scribble down things or type things. And then I tend to just close out and be like, ah, damn it, I didn't save that or didn't copy that out into an email or whatever. So this will be a pretty useful feature for me. It has been announced that Microsoft are deprecating WordPad from Windows, leading to the end of a decades-old staple and something (laughs) that, at least in the past, if I would accidentally open it, it might mess up the Unicode of something and uh, it would just frustrate me no end. So I'm not sorry to see the back of it. Gizmodo.com reports that WordPad will no longer be available on future versions of Windows and Microsoft has said that it will no longer update existing software. WordPad was first introduced nearly 30 years ago for Windows 95, but in 2020 it was downgraded to an optional feature, meaning users could choose to delete WordPad from their system if they wanted. Microsoft is recommending the use of Microsoft Word for rich text documents like .doc and .rtf documents and Windows Notepad for plain text documents like .txt. According to Gizmodo, Microsoft have not explained why they are removing WordPad. Microsoft have also announced the retirement of Visual Studio for Mac IDE. Visual Studio for Mac will no longer be supported starting August 31st, 2024. 
on that date, Visual Studio for Mac will be available as a legacy installation only via my.visualstudio.com for users with Visual Studio subscriptions, but will no longer be serviced or maintained. If you have any support agreements, you will continue to have access to technical support until August 31st, 2024. Visual Studio for Mac version 17.6 will continue to be supported for another 12 months with servicing updates for security issues and updated platforms from Apple in that time period. But after the 12 months, sorry, Charlie. Microsoft suggests Mac users to try Visual Studio Code with the new C Sharp development kit and related extensions. Our Visual Studio IDE running on Windows in a VM on Mac, so maybe something like Parallels or VMware Fusion, or potentially just use Visual Studio IDE running on Windows in a VM in the cloud, which I'm sure is what they'd prefer you to do. <laughs> use uh, Windows 365 is what I'm guessing they would like people to start doing from Macs, particularly since you have to pay the extra since you can't use the hybrid licensing. But yeah... Microsoft and Apple are reportedly pushing to keep Bing and iMessage off the list of gatekeepers subject to new European regulations. Financial Times reports that both companies are privately and separately arguing that their services aren't large or powerful enough to justify earning the restrictions of the Digital Markets Act, a rule designed to promote competition in tech. According to The Verge, large platforms defined based on their revenue and user numbers will be required to meet a slew of interoperability and competition rules, essentially opening up their platforms to work with potentially competing services. Apple is reportedly working on methods that will open up iOS to third-party app stores and sideloading to comply with the anticipated rules, but claims that iMessage does not have over 45 million active monthly users, which appears to be the threshold. Which, frankly, I find actually surprising that iMessage doesn't have over 45 million active monthly users. Maybe that's a sign of more people using stuff like WhatsApp for messaging. And less surprising is that Microsoft is claiming Bing does not hold such sway either. Speaking of European regulators putting the squeeze on big tech, Microsoft have announced effective from October 1st, Teams will be unbundled from the Office suite, at least in Europe. Those opting for Microsoft 365 or Office 365 in most of Europe will be able to avail of a subscription without Teams included and will be charged at two euros per month less than before. Separately, Microsoft will offer Teams as a standalone product costing about five euros per month, but only to new customers. And all that glitters is not gold, however, with some interesting pricing and licensing options for new and existing customers. It appears for new customers, while they can buy a bundle without Teams and save those couple of euros, they would pay five euros for standalone Teams. So essentially, compared to today, it's a price increase of three euros. And the options for existing customers is pretty confusing. They could choose to downgrade to plans without Teams if they wish, but some of the subscriptions will not permit signing up for a standalone team subscription if they do choose to downgrade. Ultimately, I guess it could lead to those who want to use Office 365 but not use Teams being in a better position than they are today, but not all of the options are an improvement, which actually strikes me as kind of uh, Apple-like. 
you know, when they get dinged by European regulators, in my opinion, they find a way to comply as maliciously and as petty as they possibly can, rather than see the attempts at regulation and the reasons behind them as, oh, well, this is going to be better for the masses, so let's comply and do it the best that we can to give the best possible result for everyone. They think, how dare these regulators tell us what to do? We'll show them. They didn't account for this specific scenario, so this is exactly what we're going to do. And then they can try to change the regulation, but it'll take another couple of years until they're able to enforce us to comply to that change. It's just ridiculous. Sadly, the way of the world. Finally, ending on a very short note, uh, on msft.com reported a reminder that PCs running Windows 11 21H2 Home and Pro Editions will no longer receive security updates after the October 2023 security update. So time to upgrade now. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. First up, Guy Leach has a tip for all those uh, scripting with PowerShell. He says you should really ensure you run your scripts with set-strict-mode-version-latest in your scripts as it will help you find and thus fix errors producing more robust code. He says that he sets it in his PowerShell and ICE profiles. The CA had a blog post about Base64. Uh, if you've used Base64 perhaps when encoding image files like I have or for certificates, and you are curious about what the heck it's doing kind of under the hood, uh, this blog post gives a nice little blurb and also some examples of using it. And if you're not familiar with it, check it out because it does come in very useful. I think I've shared some tips before around toast notifications, and there's a script that uses Base64 for encoding images in that. Um, so that's one use case that I actually have used in a production environment before and it does pop up and it is useful so check that out finally this friday the 8th of september at 2 30 p.m bst which is 3 30 p.m for central europe and 9 30 a.m eastern time for those in the u.s the q3 cloud paging user group will be held and we have a guest speaker geo from new Messent, who will be covering some troubleshooting tips followed by a group discussion on general application packaging topics. So if you're in application packaging, why not register and come along? And I'll share a link to that with this episode again, which is episode 298. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Next week's episode may be out a little bit earlier than usual, just because I have to travel to the AVD Tech Fest conference. But the following week, it should be back to business as usual. Thank you so much for listening.